You're listening to the Unsung Podcast, where we talk about classic albums and decide if they deserve that distinction. And we also talk about some unsung classics in the hopes of bringing them to a new audience. And at the end of it all, we let you decide if we are right or wrong. This is the Unsung Podcast. Before we move on to this episode, we just need to do a little bit of housekeeping. So on the last episode, we discussed Depeche Mode's 1990 record, Violator. So as ever, we put it up to the public vote and the public decided that yes, this would be added to our discography of all-time great records, which is amazing because that now makes it the second record in our discography. So that joins Jane Doe by Converge as one of our all-time classic records as decided by you, the public. Thank you very much to everybody that listened and voted. We really appreciate it. On this episode, we talk about Introducing by DJ Shadow. Producing. From listening to records, I just knew what to do. I am your host Mark Fraser, otherwise known as The Courier, and I'm joined today by two lovely gentlemen. Hi, uh, to my right is Christopher Cusack. Uh, he's the only man I've seen today with his self-prepared uh, gin and tonic salad. Uh, I have to say I'm very impressed. Big nice plastic cup you've got there. It's one of my five a day. One of your five a day. All four slices of cucumber. Uh, does that Have you matched the gin to the, the, the dressing? Bombay Sapphire. Bombay Sapphire. Mm. I thought Bombay Sapphire was a lemon. Garnish. Bombay Sapphire. Oh, I think you've gone wrong. <laughs> no, I, I, I don't know what is it. You've got to match the gin to the garnish. Yeah, I thought that was a cucumber one. No, no I think Hendrix is the only one I know that's a cucumber. Is that right? But, alas. Anyway, hi Chris. Maybe that's why I'm having such an awful time. <laughs> or maybe it's your attitude. <laughs> <laughs> uh, to my left is David Weaver. David John Weaver. The only man that when he orders a small wine. He just means a normal sized bottle. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I won't have a box. I'll just mm. have a. I'm going to bring you a straw next time. That would be nice. Save, a curly straw. Save you, you the calories on lifting that arm. <laughs> <laughs> shall we? Yeah, we shall. So, in this episode, we're talking about Introducing by DJ Shadow, which I believe was David's pick. It was indeed. Why? I'm surprised that neither of you were that into it. Like, I thought it was a sort of, sort of genre spanning sort of classic for fans of loads of. Chip, I um, haven't read about it. Yeah. I, I think you're right in that belief. Aye. I just, just it's weird ignorance. Yeah. So, I mean, I was playing a gig when I was 17 with my band who sounded like a cross between Finch and Thrice. It's just a band that's done a cover of almost everything I mention every week. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, we were playing in a hotel in the Highlands. Uh, this gig that we put on and then Started the, a really good horror film Aye And then <laughs> the DJ was playing this Track that I'd 
I think I kind of recognised, but I just didn't know what it was. And it was do 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 do. And then I went up and asked him, and he said it was organ donor, like the extended cut by DJ Shadow. You kind of swished your fringe to one side. (laughs) (laughs) And like, yeah, I was 17. I was into, you know, everything that I was into when I was 17. Mm -hmm. The only sort of electronic music that I knew was like, I don't know, Chemical Brothers and The Prodigy and stuff. Did you say Finch and Thrice? Because after you said that, I just heard thrush. (laughs) (laughs) I'm sure it started with a TH, but there was a bird thrush. It must have been the emo band thrush. (laughs) (laughs) Weeping from... (laughs) (laughs) crying eyes Um, I love this record I do like I have the I have uh, haven't seen I have the the extended edition on CD Mm -hmm. I really love this album so I was I was Ah, uh, it wasn't something that came into my mind to ever be contentious for this podcast but it makes sense because it's a fucking great album like I really like it yeah so this is kind of handy right because I'm I'm sort of the I'm the newbie yeah I'm the newbie here and I'm very much kind of like I was like I had to go away and really do homework in this and sort of Try and get familiar with it. I think, like, yeah, I think that'll be. There's some interesting angles having talked to other people that have listened to it already and been like, "Am I? Am I? Am I?" You know, and they're telling me they're taking it, and I'm seeing it from a whole other point of view. I'll get to that anyway. The point being, I think without having heard it, I don't know why, uh, and I'm maybe alone here, but I, I, I for some reason had associated it with people like Square Pusher and even some of the Apex Twin stuff. I hadn't mm-hmm. done, you know. My due diligence to try and work out if this music was actually comparable, then it's yeah. it's not. I yeah. don't think, but I don't know why I'd assumed it was. I think I actually assumed it was a bit harder and a bit edgier than it is, um, and uh, yeah, that's why I kind of mentally had put it in that box without having actually ever taken the time to listen to it. Yeah, well, interestingly enough, it always it gets marked down as a hip hop record. Mm. Yeah, I know it's that electronic. Well, trip hop. Um, right? It's like yeah. record. I'd say, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. In terms of sound, I would you know I'd classify it as trip hop or electronic. I, I read I think a, it's... a quote that described it as trip hop's crowning achievement. Yeah, and it was like one of the like his previous EP was it called Influx or something mm-hmm. was the one that was credited as being the the end of the the arrival of the trip hop genre, at, at least based on stuff I was reading. Yeah, because yeah. it was released in Moax, which like it was it was released in the UK and it was a big hit in the UK. And I remember reading that he went home. Back home to California, and he was like really surprised that nobody picked up on it. And I'm sure, yeah, yeah, yeah. I read that as well. Kind of yeah. shocked, and it's that's really weird for me because I guess trip hop's a big thing in the UK, though. Do you know what I mean? Mass attack and all that, and yeah, and it's sort of that genre sort of was built in you know Bristol and that mm. sort of scene at the same time as you know things like that were happening yeah, in the Port states. Head and stuff would have been coming yeah. at that time, yeah. Um, I, yeah, I saw as well that in the states it took a lot longer for him to catch on. And it charted a lot higher in the UK than it did in the States as well. I think it went gold in the UK, didn't it? Mm, I think so. Uh, it, it charted at number 17, which was reasonably high. So what was your take on the record then? Okay. Because uh, we've both said we really like it, so... Yeah. I can't say I like it. Um, bearing in mind, though, that I've only just started listening to it. And I, I, do, I do think it's like it's obviously highly enough spoken about that it merits... R- you know, going back to it to try yeah. and get a bit more out of it. I think, and it, this, is, this is a conversation I've been having this week actually, because I played this to my flatmate who also hadn't listened to it, and he's a guy whose taste I really trust, and he really liked it. He was like, "Wow, man, I'm really glad you've been doing this because this is this is great." And I was like, "All right, cool." So I'm, you know, seeing firsthand that it, even now it's got some relevance. It's you know, even now it's you know definitely 
got some longevity. I think the problem for me, <laughs> and I'm maybe slightly biased on it, I can't explain why, is that this was also credited. There was a really, it was a really, really good quote. Um, I have, hang on, two seconds, I've got it noted down here. Um, it was a quote about how this had, uh, yeah, so I think it was the AV Club, mm. um, said that the impact of the album, quote, had partially been diluted by the symphonic beat collage culture it helped spawn. And I think that's what ruins this for me, right? Because I hear the album and I can tell that it was innovative at the time. I can see that, I can read it, I can, you know, I can see all the testimony to that effect. All I hear, though, is the 10 years of, like, sort of sample music that came on the came off the back of it yeah. that is, like, the backing noise and really boring bars. I mean, I, I used to work and remember the place that we ran in Glasgow, me and Ian ran a, a venue. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. a couple of total wankers that, that ran this place. And their idea of music in the bar was to put on this music that was just um, these these two guys that owned it, that still own a bar in Glasgow, by the way. And so if you want to hear this music, you can go down and <laughs> check it out. Um, but like these guys, their idea of putting on background music was just this kind of weird, soulless, bland sort of trip hop stuff with these like slightly jazzy diminished chords that really went nowhere and there was there was no real hook it was just sort of like percussion with bits of melody and unfortunately for me it sounds like it albeit maybe slightly diluted but it sounds a lot like this to me and so I'm kind of retrospectively judging this as going so you're the prick that started all this <laughs> and that's kind yeah, of the totally. thing I'm mm-hmm. like I'm hearing where but that the- can be said for so many different albums though maybe I think maybe you just haven't had enough time with this one for it to like so what, what, and, but that's that's actually that's actually my next point. This the, it got me thinking, right? Because as we we both know, I'm a fan of Faith No More, yeah. and few bands are more responsible for the the the, the aberration that was new metal than yeah. Faith No More. And so, do you just like do you judge them? Yeah. retrospectively well, I mean, the based on what they created. But the problem is, if you miss it at the time, see, I, I got Faith No More at the time, so I liked them. Yeah, and I didn't hold them entirely responsible for that shit. But having missed this at the time going back to it, all I can hear is this in reference to all this garbage that just, you know, it's another thing, I was like, who actually produces that music? Who actually produces that tedious backwash that's in all these places? And like, and it, some of that apparently is producers who actually realise they can make more money just selling that shit. Yeah, absolutely. And then pursue their own projects elsewhere. But it's awful. I mean, it's just like, it's just, it's just filler. It's just like this glut of stuff that's out there taking up time and and on personal sound systems in various places, and it's it's just mm-hmm. I can't really get away from that when I'm listening to this album, and I know that's unfair in this album, but you know, yeah, ask me for my honest opinion. I'm afraid there's three there's three things that I can take away from what you just said. There is like the first one is when when you talk about this being like music and bars. This, whenever I hear this, and I can't, I can't help it either. I immediately, this is a very specific reference, but you guys will no doubt understand it. It makes me it makes me think of the bureau. Funnily enough, <laughs> that's that's what it makes me think. I of. was talking about a couple of wankers <laughs> earlier, <laughs> and that's exactly what I expect when I hear this record. Secondly, so you're talking about that's that's uncanny. That's uncanny. I mean, there's a lot of bars in Glasgow, <laughs> and he nailed it. Uh, <laughs> Genuinely, um, folks, there were there were no visual cues there. There was no other, was, other than yeah. my look of surprise when he just said that. But anyway, then, another thing is, um, you, you've hit upon something which I think not only I find quite difficult, but I think a lot of people find quite difficult. And that's removing yourself from the present context to think about it in the context of when it was released. And the biggest example of that for me is when I started listening to Led Zeppelin. I was oh. like, I don't understand why this is such a big deal. But it takes you a while to understand, well, hang on, 
It was yeah. the first. It was the first iteration of this kind of thing. Nobody'd done it before. Yeah. But on the other hand, it's like doesn't mean to say people haven't perfected it and done it better now. Yeah. You know what I mean? Well, I mean, I think a record that we're going to be doing in the next couple of weeks is actually responsible for so much terrible music. No question. Um, but you know, <laughs> it's also responsible for a lot of great music, yeah, and yeah. it is itself. Well, we'll discuss <laughs> really, it. But, I realise what when you mean. Yeah. Um, but. Um, yeah, I think this album's also responsible for a lot of really, you know, inspiring a lot of really incredible stuff as well. You know, um, stuff like, you know, b- you know, bands like Bonobo and uh, Cinematic Orchestra have taken that sort of, mm-hmm. um, sort of analog warmth of this record, and the sort of post rock elements as well, and you know, built upon that, and uh, and that's you know something like I go back to is that with this record is that it's not a hip-hop record it's not an electronic record it's not it's all of these things um and yeah it's got that sort of even though everything's sampled it feels kind of live and it feels like you know so organic yeah it feels so organic and warm played yeah yeah Yeah, exactly he did did play it i mean i was reading a bit about the because he used really minimal amount of tech for this, mm. you know. It was just like, was that, 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 just wasn't that? yeah, a Kai MPC mm. 60, I think, was his main mm. thing. And as somebody who uses an MPC 1000, not the same, but they're amazing. And I can see how you know they can just the the possibilities when you're using them are, are astonishing. So it must have been pretty amazing for him to actually really go down that rabbit hole of like, let's see what I can do with just this minimal array of stuff and time because it took him two years as well apparently you know he was like was it bin diving you know like to to get all these records that's what the picture is in the cover Mm -hmm. apparently is like him yeah it's just his favourite record store vinyls yeah I mean I I think that album cover like is one of those beautiful ones that just totally defines the record because it's Mm -hmm. you know it's blurry it's warm it's analogue it's just guys looking at records at night time you know like I I remember coming down to Glasgow when I was like seven or eight with my parents and going in like a night out would be going to the big Tower Records and just like <laughs> spending the night in Tower yeah. Records and like I would do that like once a year and I'd look forward to it because it was just amazing you know I was in that building two years ago after it and now it's really? like sitting there uh, empty yeah uh-huh. like me and John went in to have a look inside it and just have a wee just to have a wee nosy man it's absolutely fascinating honestly just going around all, all the, the stuff's all there like there's there's bits and bobs of stuff inside yeah. it it's just like a total ghost town it really yeah. is because you can remember being in it like you say for hours at a time yeah now you're in it and it's like really shuttered in darkness and there's like pigeons flying out the road and stuff oh, it's man. really trippy hmm. really really trippy but there's something just amazing about like spending a night in an amazing record store and i think that's what this album is like to yeah, a lot totally. of people it's like and even like um there's like some records that are more explicit with it like for instance um, remember after Fat the Land, the Prodigy or Liam Howlett uh, released the Dirt Chamber Sessions, which was like an album of the Prodigy's influences. And I think it was supposed to be a like a, a a series, but he only ever released one. And I got that, and it was actually really amazing because it was just samples and like chunks of songs, everything from like Public Enemy to Sex Pistols to like like punk dance electronica. And I just went through the sample list and like found loads and loads and loads of new music. And although this one is kind of built more to be its own thing, it's also like 
just something that's really nice to get lost in and then it's a very very cool find sample in it. Yeah. yeah i'll get i'll give it that like there's some really interesting it was it metallica in it York, yeah yeah orion um craft work uh, waters on it and some of the some of the bits in the middle and at the end as well was it the, the giant from twin peaks that finishes it yeah saying it's happening again yeah and uh Prince of Darkness as well, that, that movie, that's the kind of mm. in-between tracks. Yeah. Thing. That's, that's a great film. Like, yeah. Really, really cool. I mean, yeah, it, it gets points for, you know, kind of kitsch sort of yeah, cool name-dropping in that sense, I guess. Hi, folks, it's Mark here. I just thought I'd jump in right here. I know it's right in the middle, and I'm sorry for breaking up the conversation, but I just thought I'd jump in to say, if you enjoy this podcast, you can donate. Now, I know you maybe listen to quite a lot of podcasts who ask you to donate some money. At this moment in time, we are running this podcast just out of the goodness of our own hearts. And we love doing it. We love doing this podcast. We think it's awesome. But any money that you could maybe spare to give to us to fund this podcast would be a huge weight off our shoulders. We want to keep making this podcast. We enjoy making this podcast, but it costs us money to host audio, to pay for websites, you know, all that kind of thing. So if you're so inclined, you can head on over to www.unsungpod.net forward slash donate. And if you go over there, you can donate some money to our podcast. Now, you can do it on a monthly basis or you can do it just on a one-off basis if you want. Any and all contributions are appreciated, no matter how big or how small. All the money that you can give us will help us to keep the lights on and keep the seats warm. And now, let's get back to this episode. I think for me, and I think for a lot of people, it was just an album that you could totally get lost in. And I I found it in my first year at university. And you've been to Stirling University Halls. Mm, yes. Little tiny dungeons. <laughs> so The ones that weren't burned down. Aye, eh? exactly. So... <laughs> Like for me, I had I like I ended up just taking like three CDs to uni, uh, and that was one of them. Just and like when you DJ now, yeah, exactly. <laughs> <I know. laughs> Two Pantera CDs, <laughs> uh, Miley Cyrus. Aye, and then, um, but like just you know, getting used to being on your own, living out, away from your parents, living in this little dark dungeon, and that was just like a nice little. Can I ask? See, have have you seen? Because. So just before we lose track of it, have you seen Scratch? No. Right, so there's a documentary called Scratch, I think it was like, mm. came out in 2000 and 2001, something Aye. around that. Yeah, yeah. It's got footage of him, you know, sourcing the records and the process yeah, yeah, that he yeah. went through and stuff. And apparently yeah, I've never watched it. I've never it's watched a total it. enthusiast's thing. It's, it's probably pretty good. I was going to say as well, I think one of the reasons you might struggle with this and one of the reasons I struggle with it is because this is the default hip-hop sound now. If you have if you have no ideas for creating a hip hop track, you usually do something like this. Well, I'm the whitest guy in the room, so I've got no ideas for anything to do with hip hop. Yeah, like if you if you go and see any local hip hop acts or of any kind or any small hip hop acts, so they don't really have yeah, they aren't doing like trap stuff, but yeah. like the more sort of classic hip hop. Mm. They don't have yeah, an they use samples that just sound use like this shit, yeah. like mm. acoustic guitars, mm. like smooth sort of trippy beats. It's mm. so emulated; it's it's frightening. Yeah, it really is. Mm. I yeah. can believe that. I guess I I just think unfortunately. Aspects of it that seem to be emulated a lot as well are the blandness of yeah. certain passages. Like it's Whereas from which is annoying because like the bits that stand out for me are like the like in stem long stem like that drum that comes in. It's just like really really fast, like sort of kick and snare, and and then it just like cuts out. 
and it's like stuff like that you wouldn't ever hear in a shitty bar that just plays you know crappy mm. yeah no I, it's like, I get it. that, that stuff there's so many exciting bits in this yeah. that stuff's too challenging yeah for, exactly and then, for beer hall yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I thought I said right like I would say some of the songs are probably too long, but on the other hand, like the songs evolve. Like you can see, he's got an idea that he's getting towards with each song. Yeah, it's like a suite almost, you know. Which, which your mileage, your mileage may vary on that. Like you might not necessarily think that's a good thing because it can be frustrating as well. I think it's a yeah. pretty downbeat yeah. album as well. I mean, I, I read that so. the guy was yeah. pretty, you know, pretty depressed at the time of making it, mm. and like when he was like some was it techno anxiety or something like he described mm. as being the the theme like the, the musical theme but yeah. supposedly said that even he feels it's quite downbeat in retrospect I mean how, do, how does it compare to his later work because this was his first full album right yeah, yeah. this is his so first how does it, full like, record as a, and then as a total he, ha- novice, he did know? some work with Cut Chemist he's done a lot of stuff with him um, he had like a full sort of extended edition and like second disc of this that came out with like loads of random clips but I think his second record, Private Press, is actually underrated. It doesn't quite have the like the warmth of this. The warmth it doesn't have like that. You know, for instance, just the sound of the 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 record needle. You know, mm. the uh, going all the way more through. More polished, yeah. It is slightly more polished, and it's maybe got some more like overtly heavy hip hop. You know, beats in it and some weird, like it's got Simon and Garfunkel samples in it and stuff like that. Um, but I really, really like that album, actually. Uh, Simon and Garfunkel is pretty heavy. <laughs> oh, I mean, absolute heft. Um, but he's moved away from he moves away from the sound a lot in his career. Like he gets, yeah, he gets. His, he, he, I think he deliberately moves quite far from it because it's he's, yeah. People hold it in such high regard, and he knows that. Yeah, and he doesn't. Yeah. He doesn't have a lot of time to create that. There's there's parts in the second record that are like just this expanded. Um, you know, taking that sort of the acoustic guitar bits with you know hip hop drum beats but then when that third record came out uh, The Outsider featured just loads and loads of guest singers and hip hop artists and to me it was just an absolute total mess Mm. and I don't think it's gone down well historically either and like he's obviously a very talented uh, you know turntablist and mixer and stuff like that and that's what he was kind of doing on that record but Oh, he's he made a rod for his own back with his first album, basically. Yeah, that's it. He doesn't want to, which it, and it's like you know, fair play to him. He doesn't want to go and sort of repeat what he's he knows he's good at, mm. and you know, play at the crowd. But um, I've never been in. Why don't folks? Why don't bands? Why don't artists just stop? I got. I got. So this is one of the things that's probably, and I've got a lot of peeves. You know that. <laughs> you can mm. vouch for that. Mm-hmm. I've got a lot of peeves. One of my top three would be why don't more musicians just fucking stop I think that's something you know what I mean it's just like when they've, they've, they've said everything they've got to say or that it's just not coming anymore why I mean I get that it's about income I get that it's about status I, I get that but it's, wish... al- it's also very difficult to have that like context like to see it objectively, f- objectively yeah. yeah like how do you, if you're making you don't know if you've made a classic record you can only read the fucking reviews so you don't know when you made a shit record like Five, five years into making, you know, the the the, the next great comeback record, you know, it's like, Jesus, Weezer, shut up. You know, it's like, <laughs> like why, why don't, like, it, it is frustrating because, you know, 
you yeah, can but go people do, still buy it. Yeah, but you can it's go the same and do reason else. like people still make fucking co- superhero oh, and comic book films. Don't don't get me wrong because though. people still go to the cinema and spend twelve quid a ticket. Yeah, on don't it. get me wrong. Sorry, I'm not. I'm, I'm like I'm, it's I'm, not the artist's fault. It's a bit it's of a rhetorical. It's a bit of a rhetorical question. I get yeah. why people are motivated to continue with a project, but uh, it is incredibly frustrating when it diminishes their earlier catalog when they go on to make. I mean, I increasingly agree. redundant music. Yeah. For audiences who are. As they get older, for various reasons, less and less and less invested in the music and simply going through the motions of, oh, hey, there's a new album coming out. And by the way, there's probably a fair few bands we were going to touch on in, in the course of this that are mm. guilty of this. And yeah, there's way. very few and it's like, managed to have any longevity. It's like, folks, go and do something else. Change yeah. the name, get a new project, get a couple new folk in, freshen it up, yeah. you know, and leave this as a nice thing. You know, do do the do the decent thing and say, that's that's run its course. Just that was nice. Kurt Cobain and... Blow your fucking head. <laughs> <laughs> There's more than a few bands Absolutely, man. Absolutely. I think the drive to keep creating, it's just in a person, though, isn't it? And you just want to keep doing it. Is it? I, I don't know, I man. So. I don't know if the drive to keep creating is it. I think it's more the drive, the, 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 the thirst for relevance and the thirst to be, it's like it's like the film, the, the show Extras, it's like the thirst to be able to walk into a restaurant and get a table. There's so many people get so used to being, you know, giving guesties and getting all that kind of shit that eventually they just can't give up their band or they need to get the band back together because nobody cares who they are yeah, anymore. Yeah, but if you've been in a at band... The drive-in. If you've been in a band <laughs> since you were 14 and you got your first record deal when you were 18 and you released that album when you were 20 and you've been touring and maybe you've spent 15 years and your relevance has gone down, what, like... That's your life. That's all you know. It's like being a footballer. If you started I being a footballer when you're 14... You don't go back to playing football when you're 48. No, you become on, a football guys, pundit time, or you become right. a foot... You know... Aye. You like become so, really depressed. So do something you just, else. You don't know but how that's, to do it. I think that's the, the opposite argument there. It's like you, you you don't just try and keep recreating what you were recreating with diminishing returns. You, you say, yeah, but right... like when you're a footballer, your legs go. So you can't be a footballer. If, you, if your legs didn't go, you'd keep being a footballer. Well, a musician, your legs don't go. You just like... You lose that spark. But Tell me anybody other than Chris Rea who's remained relevant. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, no, nah, I, I, I just I don't buy it. I get the logic. No, I completely it. agree. But like, but what I'm saying is, you're never going to have. It's tragedy, man. It's pure tragedy. And like ninety percent of the cases, it's pure tragedy. It's it's totally like extras. It's him trying to get into a restaurant and them saying, "Oh, I'm sorry, we don't have your name down." Oh, but we need to get the band together again. I mean, look at all the. Now we're just living in an era of perpetual reunion tours. Oh, and it's I just full so, nostalgia. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's just, you know, DJ Shadow, I don't know. I'm just asking you guys here. But if he's never made anything as relevant, like, wouldn't you just stop and be like, I'm going to do something else, get another moniker, maybe work with someone else and call it something else? You know, the thing in this case is, that. though, like, he didn't. When he created this record, he wasn't trying to do anything, and he's still not trying to do anything. He's just making the music. Yeah, he's just an individual. It's he's not just like a guy. He's a band like... with a concept. He's just a guy. Let's stick a cork in this, right? You guys <laughs> like it. I don't. I'm not. I'm, I don't fall out with it. I think it's a. Uh, it's competent. I think I just to really appreciate it, I would have needed to get in it nearer the time, and I think it's sullied by its own legacy, and that's not its fault. But I find yeah. it really hard to separate that personally. I think that's, a, that's like I said earlier on. I think that's a, a, a common thing for people like. That happens to a lot of people when it comes to records that you can't, you just, you can't, you can't deny time. Yeah. And you can't change the, the space of time it was when it came out now. You can't deny time. <laughs> wow. <laughs> <laughs> it's true though. <laughs> it is true. Um, I, well, I fucking love this album. I like it a lot mm. too. Um, yeah. I like that it's got a, it's got, it does stuff that hip hop still doesn't do, really. A lot of big hip hop doesn't do. Mm-hmm. Um, 
there's got a lead motif running throughout. The, the attention to production and detail is is immense. Like, totally incredible. And people try to recreate it and they don't. And there's some great DJs out there who do the same thing, like like R two DJ, mm-hmm. RJD two, yeah, and um, DJ Format and all that kind of thing. Like they 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 do similar things and they're really fucking good at it. The instrumental hip hop thing, um, but something there is there's lightning in a bottle with this record and I don't even think he realised it was happening mm. um, and I think that's why he's not trying to recreate it either yeah. you know I, as I said I, I'm completely indifferent to it it's not a slight I can I didn't mind it but it didn't push any buttons whatsoever yeah well, well that's fair that is, I can see that as well but I can push. understand that argument because <laughs> it can be I mean you particularly like hip hop it's a big thing you're into. You just said you're the whitest guy ever, so... <laughs> Dave's laughing at that. <laughs> I take it the answer's no, then. No. That's fair enough. I mean, if you're not in hip-hop, this is like, like I said... But is this, this the, hip-hop? This doesn't sound like This is now the me. default hip-hop sound. Like all so this, you were saying it isn't hip-hop. I don't think it was at the time. It comes from a hip-hop... It's, it's a funny one. It comes from a very hip-hop background, because he is a hip-hop guy. Um, and then a lot of the sounds have been taken by the hip-hop scene to be used as, like, sort of, you know, beats, etc. And it's got but, beat beats throughout the entire thing, which yeah, is, like, a standard. But standing on its own, for me, thing. it's not a hip-hop record. Mm. To me, it's an electronic record with, like, that touches on so many other genres. Can I just point out that hip-hop's a really silly phrase? <laughs> just <laughs> the noise of hip-hop, but because we're so used to it, we're just throwing it in there. Yeah. Yeah. A lot a lot of a lot of guys are influenced <laughs> by this record as well, and that's why it is the default hip-hop sound for people who they don't really... See, now I can only hear that in the yeah, sentence. I know. <laughs> hip-hop. <is that? laughs> hip-hop. <laughs> well, I'm guessing you guys are putting it in. I would, I would like, would it, like to to, yeah. I would like it to go in. I would like it to go in. And Chris, you obviously wouldn't. I'd use it to hold the door open. I wouldn't <laughs> put it in. <laughs> you could use this record fucking collection to hold the door open. That must be a mess. <laughs> <laughs> we'll hold the fucking vault door open. Um, so I guess are we going to talk any more about the actual record itself, or are we just going to like <laughs> debate why it should be here? Uh, um, I, no, I'm like I think people can just re- listen to the record and take it for themselves for me it's like I've had so many train journeys home just listening to it and sort of falling asleep to it or listening to it and like finding new things in it and I mean fuck I've been listening to it for like 12 years Mm. it's 20 years old now and I still listen to it and find new little bits in it because it's so subtle so yeah I just it's just one of those ones that's a full perfect album for me I've got a feeling if you've if you haven't heard it before you probably won't like it if you listen to it now just because of the same reason like yeah. this has I think it'll be really difficult to connect connect with it I love hip hop so um, I don't even particularly like that that kind of era of hip hop particularly but yeah. this, this does stand out to me like and I, I, there's a lot of things on it I love like he takes a person to G-Funk sound which is like the big Dr. Dre Snoop Dogg thing at the time mm-hmm. that was why hip hop sucks in 96 that kind of thing Golden Steam from A Grain of Salt as well it's just a fucking it's like the standout track for me it's just a banger yeah, um, yeah. I've seen him live a few times, and that's the one that when he plays it, everybody it goes off, man. Yeah, yeah. So if you dig it, you'll dig it, and if you don't, then yeah, I don't think I think it'll be hard to get into. But listen to it anyway, and then given and that then, we're then assessing yeah. the underground, or given that we're ostensibly assessing albums that are maybe a little underrecognized, it's probably worth pointing out that I think Time Magazine had this in their top one hundred of all time. Yeah. So it's not necessarily underrated, mm-hmm. and in my personal opinion I don't think it's underrated mm. so if that was the question do you think this is underrated no yeah but should it be going on the list of great albums yeah and I think some so. people it already is so. yeah uh, 
It was just definitive though. I mean, that's that's the spiel. Or just the fucking one. Or our, just, our list is the fucking is, list. That is a, an issue. <laughs> so the, I guess we have decided. We've not decided. We've kind of disagreed a little bit on this one. So it's healthy. It's healthy. This is this is the name of the game, isn't it? Yeah, this, this is why we do it. It's not like a, it's not like it's the first time we've done it either. <laughs> um, so let us know if you like it or not. Go and vote on our Facebook page. Um, if you want it to go in, if you don't want it to go in, it's totally up to you. Um, so yeah. I guess I guess we move on to the next record next week. So what is next, Chris? Oh, Mr. Beast by Mogwai. Mogwai. <laughs> Mogwai. I have a lot to say about the record. Yeah, this could, this could be a bumper episode. Man. Yeah. So looking, f- looking forward to that one, gentlemen. It's been a pleasure. As ever. Cool. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.